You all make an awesome choir. That was beautiful to be a part of and to hear and to just reflect a little bit and remind ourselves on, on how we have so many things and we're blessed to have those so many things, but, but may we never become dependent on all of those props, but instead remember that worship really is about what's coming from our hearts. And the simplest settings of just a few believers gathered together with a Bible and with songs to sing. Okay, I guess we did use the screens. We did cheat on that. But we could have gotten the hymnals out. We could have done it. But that's all it takes. May we never become completely dependent on the trappings and everything. Yeah, rejoice in them, enjoy them, love them, thank God for them. But always remember, it's about what's in the hearts of the people who come to worship. I'm glad that everyone is able to be here today. As, as was pointed out, that likely means that things didn't go too bad at your house. But there are some who are not here today for reasons, even in our own church family, of difficulties at their house. And it could have been much worse for all of us. So I'm thankful that we're able to be here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your invitation to this place. And we don't take this place for granted either. We thank you that it is still here and in good shape and open for us to be able to gather. Now, Lord, be with us as we just take a little time today to open your word and reflect. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're not going to continue our candles series today. We'll pick that up again next week. And, and this may impact your small groups in a way that... Uh, so we don't have the study posted yet because uh, we haven't done the Thyatira sermon. And I don't want you moving on to Sardis until we've reflected on that. So we'll get a week behind here on that, but we'll get everything rolling again. And, and uh, you can meet with your group this week if you'd like, but... Uh, um, maybe you can go back and do that extra study we put out if you didn't do it before on chapter 1, or, or you can just get together in fellowship and have a nice time together. But we'll get things back going next Sabbath. It's not going to hurt our schedule in any way. We'll be fine. But I felt like today, given the fact that we weren't sure how many folks would be able to make it and, and how the services would go, I didn't, I didn't want us to get out of sequence. So today we're going to do something else. It seems like there's a book in the Bible that uh, maybe we ought to look to today. Anybody want to guess which book that might be? Job. Uh, Job? Yeah, well, no, it wasn't that bad. What do you think? How about Matthew? Does that sound good? Yeah. So I think we'll take and see if there's anything we can learn from Matthew. How about that? Yeah, but before we get to it, before we actually open it, you know, there is a text somewhere else in the Bible that says man makes his plans and ladies that doesn't just mean men that means all of us humans make their plans but the Lord directs their steps and we made our plans I bet you had lots of plans this week on how this week was gonna go and what you were gonna do but we're not really in control of everything are we it doesn't matter how much we plan you know we were gonna have a baby dedication today 
But no, we're not having that today because it didn't work out. Some of the families were going to have troubles. We weren't even sure if we were going to be here. All the pieces that go into setup, we were going to have agape communion last night. We made lots of plans. But it's our ability, by God's grace, to adapt to the different things that happen that keeps us on track, keeps us from being blown up. Our own family had some plans for this week, and then uh, maybe some of you had heard of this, and I'll tell you a little bit of the detail on it so that, so that if you did hear and were concerned, you could feel better about it now. But we had plans for our family this week and what we were going to do. My wife, Alicia, had a normal week planned. She would be teaching on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and, and we were going to do things the way we usually do. And then late Saturday night, we got a call from our son, Nathan. Our son Nathan, who you know has been through some health challenges, and uh, you all prayed with us as we went through that experience back in 2012, back in his first year in academy. Well, we got a call late that night that uh, his good friend and roommate, Austin Rogers, also a part of our community here, and he had decided that he probably should be taken to the emergency room because he had very severe pain in his chest. Now, it wasn't really a pain that was necessarily associated with any kind of heart issue, but there was a severe pain, and they took him in, and it turned out that uh, he had developed uh, an embolism, a blood clot, one in each of his lungs. That's not a good thing. We thank the Lord that he had pain. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? How often do we pay that God will take our pain away? But often it is the pain alone that keeps us from completely destroying ourselves or running off in foolishness. If he hadn't gone when he did, it could have turned into an even more serious situation than it was. So we thank God for pain. So he had pain. He went into the hospital. They treated him and uh, took good care of him. But by the next day, as we were beginning to understand what was going on, Alicia said, I need to go. I need to go up there. And we want to say thank you again to the Rogers family because they knew about it at that time. I know many others would have, would have tried to help us out if you'd known at that time, but they helped us uh, to be able to arrange flight and get Alicia to go up there. And she went up there last Sunday evening and spent Monday and Tuesday. And she was originally planning to come home on Wednesday, but had a couple extra things she needed to do. And she, she called me and said, I'm thinking of coming home Thursday or Friday. And I said, you may be thinking about that, (laughs) but that doesn't mean you're going to do it. Have you ever heard of Hurricane Matthew? And crazy thing, they weren't preparing in Michigan at all. It's like they didn't even care. But it's all about where you are, isn't it? Well, we're grateful that the Lord worked things together, and she was able to come home on Thursday. She arrived uh, at about 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. I saw the Reiners there. Rich Reiner was just coming in as well. Yeah, I see Rich there. I'm so glad he got in as well. A lot of folks coming in, but nobody else after 8 o'clock got to fly in. She got here. We went to the house, and we spent Thursday and Friday in ways we hadn't been planning. You were the same way, weren't you? This is not how you had the end of your week planned. But here we are today, and we're thankful to the Lord for that. 
I'm not telling you anything new when I tell you sometimes storms come up in our lives. And the thing about storms is sometimes you have no idea they're coming. Now, we live in a day where we at least have a clue that something's going on. I thought about it Tuesday night. I walked outside on Tuesday evening, and I was walking around outside the house and looking up at the perfectly clear sky and the perfectly still air. And I thought, if I had lived in the state of Florida years ago, would I, on this particularly beautiful and still night, suspect that only a few days from now there could be extremely strong winds and destruction? And I pondered that, and it, it occurred to me that that's how it is in life most of the time. We think we know what's coming up. We think we know what the plan is. We think we know what we're going to do. But then those tragedies come. Those storms come up. They don't ask permission. They don't send us a memo six months ahead saying, make sure you've got me on your calendar. I'm a crisis and I'm coming up. It doesn't work that way, does it? But just because the storm comes up doesn't mean Jesus isn't with you. Remember that point. Just because the storm comes up doesn't mean Jesus isn't with you. Why would I say that? Well, just reading the Bible here, Matthew chapter 8. And if you want to join me, we're, we're doing this old school. We're not even putting it on the screen. I didn't even tell Patty what I was going to talk about. But you can get one of these blue Bibles out of the pew right in front of you and open it up to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 20. Well, actually, I want to read verse 18 first. Verse 18 says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. So who was it that told the disciples to get in the boat and go across? Jesus. So it wasn't like they were just going off on their own, going off doing whatever they thought was best. They were obeying a direct command of Jesus. You'd like to think, wouldn't you, that when you're doing exactly what Jesus wants you to do, that everything's going to go smoothly, right? You'd like to think that. You'd like to think that always making the right choices in life always eating the right things, always avoiding the right things is going to guarantee you you're never going to get sick. Wouldn't you like to think that? It's not how it works, is it? Now, you can make your chances of everything going bad higher if you don't make those good choices. And and since when is it that we only make good choices if we're promised the outcome? Why can't we just make good choices because they're good choices? Let's live there. Instead of always having to live in the reward game, let's live in that place where we make good choices. And if Jesus says, cross the lake, all right, let's cross the lake. So verse 23, then they got into the boat and his disciples, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Verse 24, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the, bo- over the boat. But Jesus was what? Sleeping. Sleeping. So here's a boat full of people. And I don't know how much Jesus knew about boats and 
and about how boats go across lakes and things like that. But I kind of get the feeling that if he was a carpenter from Nazareth, which is not on the lake, he probably hadn't grown up going out on the lake in boats. But that's no problem. This boat is full of people who grew up doing this. You've got Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were fishermen. We know that James and John's father was a fisherman because they were with their father in the boat when Jesus called them. So they've been on boats their whole life. They know what they're doing. And so Jesus is sleeping in the back. He's not worried about it. He's tired. He's had a big day. He's been teaching. He's been preaching. And they're in the boat, and they're probably feeling pretty good that, well, he doesn't know anything about boats. He can't do anything for us anyway. We know how to do this. We're just going to set sail. We're going to head across. And they're out, and they're going, but it says, without warning, a furious storm comes up on the lake. That's exactly how it goes in our lives, without warning. Apparently, this storm was pretty bad because these guys, who are so sure they can handle the storm at the beginning of it anyway, towards the end of it, as it's getting really wild, decide they can't handle it. And that's when you get a little nervous, when the people who know what's going on are nervous. If you're ever on a flight and it looks a little bumpy, but the flight attendants are walking around like they don't care, yeah, you don't worry about it. But when you see them hustling to their seats and buckling in, yeah, yeah, that's a different deal. That's kind of how I was this week. You see, I've been here five years now, but we haven't, we haven't had any hurricanes or tropical storms. I wasn't even sure I believed in them. <laughs> I think they're just stories. So we hadn't really had anything, and so it's me and, and Aaron and Ariel, because Alicia was gone. She wasn't back yet. And, and so we're kind of like, well, I don't know. Think we should prepare? And Aaron's like, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> we said, I don't know. Maybe we should go to the store. So we kind of went to the store and looked at what everybody else was buying. <laughs> so maybe we could get a little water. That looks good. Oh, they got bread. Yeah. So we went to the store, and I was feeling really smug because I filled up my car with gas on Wednesday night. So I didn't have to wait in the lines. But you don't know what you don't know. But the thing that really kind of started getting to us was the way all you people who do know were worried about it. And when the people who know get worried, you kind of wonder. Well, that was the situation in the boat. If you were Matthew, the tax collector, or whoever else in the boat that knew nothing about boats, you might have been probably more seasick than anything. But but you might have been a little nervous, but then when you saw Peter and Andrew and James and John getting a little crazy, yeah, you got scared then. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke Jesus, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. 
The amazing thing is Jesus is able to sleep through the storm. But you can imagine he wakes up and he, he looks around and the disciples are all in fear. And he gets up and he says in the next verse, you're right, this is really dangerous, you should be afraid. Is that what it says? He says one of the more troubling phrases in the whole Bible for me. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? All right, here's why that's so troubling to me. What this, what Jesus' comment suggests is that for the believer who is on God's mission and in the boat with Jesus, danger is not a valid basis for fear. You see that here? If you are on God's mission and Jesus is in your boat, according to the words of Jesus, danger is not a valid basis for fear. Because they were legitimately in danger and they knew they were in danger. But instead, what does Jesus say is the basis of their fear? You of little faith. Why were you afraid? See, that, that challenges me at my core. Because when things aren't dangerous, I'm not afraid. I trust in Jesus. When things are a little iffy, I'm not that afraid. I'm trusting in Jesus. When things are crazy, am I afraid? Sometimes. But I'll tell you something I've learned. The experience sure goes a lot better when I trust in Jesus, even when I'm feeling afraid. Now, I don't think for too many of us this storm that we came through this last week named Matthew got bad enough that we were legitimately afraid, maybe some. It never got that bad at our house. In fact, apparently we're sheltered a little bit where we live because nothing on Thursday night woke us up at all. We woke up in the morning, and there was some debris in the yard, but it wasn't too bad, and we really didn't feel wind until some during the day on Friday. I don't know how it was at your house. But there really wasn't anything that made me afraid. But what if it had? You know, we weren't that far away from a pretty serious storm. And if, in fact, it had come upon us and we'd been huddled in rooms or however you do hurricanes, I didn't actually learn that part, but maybe for next time I'll know what to do. We might have been afraid. But we sang a song a little bit ago. Do you remember it? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There have been a few times in my life I've been very afraid. But I know trusting in Jesus really helped. Alicia has a saying she says sometimes, 
that courage is just fear that said its prayers. Because you don't need courage when it's not scary, right? The text goes on. Verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I like how this part reads in Mark's version of this story. He says, then they were afraid. So at first they were afraid of the storm. But then when they saw what Jesus can do, they were kind of scared of him. And that's where I want to go back to some of those pictures we're seeing of Jesus when he speaks to the churches and mention that fact again that sometimes I think we've lost a little bit of our awareness of the surpassing greatness of Jesus when we're more afraid of the storm than we are of the one in our boat. We've kind of lost perspective. Now, I say afraid of Jesus. I don't mean afraid of Jesus in that he's going to do something terrible to us. I mean rather that we are so weak compared to his greatness and power and authority. The one with the double-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. The one with the eyes that blaze. The great, powerful Lord of heaven and earth. And we're more afraid of the storm? What I want to leave you with is this. If Jesus is in the boat, you don't need to be afraid, even if the boat goes down. Because not only can Jesus save from the storm, Jesus has the keys to death and Hades. Even if the boat goes down, if Jesus was in the boat, he can bring you back. In fact, he's promised to bring us back to eternal life with him. So I don't know what storms you're facing in your life. We all faced a storm together this week, and for most of us, It didn't turn out to be that bad. But I don't know what storm you're facing in your life. But the first thing I want you to do in the context of your storm is look around real quick and make sure Jesus is in the boat. And if he's not in the boat, start praying that Jesus will be with you in the boat. And if that means confessing and turning the boat around and going back to shore to pick him up, do it. Don't cross the wild sea without Jesus in the boat. Don't live this life without the constant companionship of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't make the choices that grieve the Spirit. Make the choices that connect you with the Spirit. Make sure Jesus is in your boat, and then if He told you to cross the lake, cross the lake. Cross the lake. Even if you don't make it to the other side, cross the lake. Trust Jesus. He's greater than the storm. And He has promised that at the other end of the storm, 
He will give you life eternal. So face the storm with courage. Not because you can handle it, but because Jesus is in the boat. And Jesus is more powerful than the storm. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it is according to your purpose and will for this phase of our lives that we at times will face storms. Lord, we're not asking for storms. We're asking to not face storms. But, but more than that, Lord, if you have told us to get in the boat and cross the lake and a storm has come up in transit, help us to not be afraid just because the storm is more than we can handle, but instead to rely upon our faith and our trust and to keep our hope and our courage and to believe that you can deliver us. Lord, I thank you that we have been mostly spared from the troubles of this storm, but but I don't say that without awareness that places seemingly far less deserving of destruction than us have faced the worst of this storm while we once again have seemingly gotten off easily. Lord, if there is an unfairness, it is an unfairness in our favor. And in that regard, we thank you for our deliverance, but our minds go to those who this day are facing a much more difficult Sabbath than we are. If there is something you would have us do to help, may we do that, that we would reduce the suffering of others, that we could help them in their storm, even as we would hope you would help us, even as we believe you help us in our storm. In Jesus' name, amen.